Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, let's go right back to the phones. And Mr. Nate Zielinski, before we even get into what you want to talk about, two things. Uh, First of all, one of your guys, Will Dykstra, filled in for me when I was on a tough assignment last week in Minnesota. (laughs) You know, I put these trips in. I do them for my listeners. I take no personal pleasure. But I want to thank Will for filling in. Great show as always. Sometimes I hate it when Will fills in because the show is better than when I'm here and I might lose my job. (laughs) And the other thing is, in two weeks... We go back to our 9 to 11 time slot, and I know you're drooling over that. I couldn't be more excited. One of these days, we should take a poll to all our listeners. We think we should have a 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. time. Well, you know, really you can come on. in and host that. I'll, I won't even get up and listen you know, to it. So, yeah. Love it. <laughs> all right, well, old Will Dykstra across the Canadian border uh, a couple of hours ago. He is on his way to, uh, to muskie fish for a few weeks, doing his, uh, his true passion in life. So I'm looking forward to hearing, uh, hearing the tales of uh, you know, his young five- and six-year-old kids catching 50-inch muskies. So we'll be excited to, to hear from him when he gets back. For sure. Now, I know you been out of town, but I still, before we get done, want to get an update because there's a lot of fishermen chawing at the bit to get out because we got beautiful weather. It's a little warm, but before we even do that, this is probably only one or two times in 25 years that I haven't been to ICAST, which is the, it's the place in the fishing industry when the vendors, the manufacturers, the dealers, and the media all come together, and it's we get to lie to each other about how good a fisherman we are and everything. But we see a lot of old friends, but we also get to see the new gear. In fact, I didn't go this year, and one manufacturer has already shipped me three cases of new product to test. And so, but what did you see while you were there this year, Nate? You know, it, it was exciting to see. I'd say, uh, you know, I mean, it was kind of like last year. I wouldn't say we saw a ton of brand new items or more improvements to the old. And I think that's been kind of the trend for almost going on about three years. You know, four to five years ago, I'd say we saw a lot of stuff that was like brand new to us. Uh, you know, everybody was like, oh, it's, you know, cutting edge, it's yada, yada. But I think that's what it was doing. It was kind of following the themes of just making things better. Um, and to be honest with you, the, the two items that I'm probably most excited about, um, unfortunately, a confidentiality thing. You broke up on me a little bit, Nate. Do that one again. You know, the, the, the probably the most exciting things I was excited for at ICAST, um, I am not allowed to talk about yet. They uh, they made me sign a confidentiality thing. So um, there's some new stuff coming that didn't quite get released at ICAST. It'll be coming out in, you know, sometime in the fall, later fall, that I think is going to be really revolutionary and cutting edge. And I'm really excited about that. Um, as far as the cool products that we saw there, we saw a ton of improvement. Again, the, taking the baits that were already good, taking the tackle that was already good, and making it better. You know, one of my favorite things I'd say I'm probably most looking forward to is the jointed flicker shad. A lot of people have been talking about that, but they Berkeley took the normal flicker shad. It's been literally amazing for walleye. You know, it's, it's priced right. Uh, it's just a, a dynamite bait. And they came in with a shallow version as well as a jointed version. So now you're taking a bait that's already been, you know, just amazing. It's basically, a, you know, an acrylic version of the traditional shad wrap. And now you make it with a joint. You also make a shallow version uh, to really open up a whole new method where you have a higher action bait for higher water temperatures. And we also have a shallower version, which is going to slow the bait down. So now all of a sudden, in the spring, you're going to light before in that water, you know, 
not quite warm enough for a and deeper bill to make that higher action. Now we have a shallower action version that we can fish, you know, basically clean the tanks and, uh, and take, the, again, everything the focus on offers and put it into cold water and catch a ton of fish in that. So of all the products, to be honest with you, I think that flicker shot is probably one of the most exciting things that, uh, that I'm excited to get in my hands and, and cast and test it and use. I... Um, and again, coming this fall, you're going to see some changes in the electronic world uh, that I think are going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, but again, you're not going to see that till uh, till somewhere mid fall before that. Well, you can you can tell me, Nate, because I won't tell anybody. Yeah, exactly. I mean, go just whisper it to me. But uh, about that flicker shad, I got a huge box of baits from from Berkeley just yesterday, and I haven't even been able to look through it. But there was a bunch of hard baits on the bottom, and I think they sent me some of all of those new baits to test. So I'll be doing some first hand testing with them too. I'm excited. That flicker shad. It. I know Dan Swanson feels the same way. You feel the same way. And I like what you mentioned about the flicker shad early. Is the fact that you know it used to be you thought you had to buy a ten dollar crankbait to go pull for walleyes. That flicker shad's about four or five bucks, and it works great. Yeah, Terry, and I, I hate to say it, but that's really what the industry is trying to We see baits are just getting higher and higher up there. You know what I mean? We saw a slide off an iCast and we're still $500. You're cutting out really bad on me, Nate. It can be incredible, but, you know, to, to have a bait that's priced in that, that 4 to $5 range, you're not afraid to fish it in the timber. You're not afraid to fish it near rocks. You're able to fish it everywhere with your fish, and it doesn't break in it to get snagged up and lose the bait. To when really, really, I mean, everybody that knows me, I have a pretty strict ten dollar rule when it comes to bait. Um, as a guy, we go through so much tackle. You, know, you want to have a bait that's priced right to where you can affordably fish it. And again, you know, I want to fish near rocks. I want to fish near stumps. And if I have a real high end bait, I tend to not fish those areas and therefore not catch those fish. So if I have a bait that I know is priced in that you know four dollar range, you look at like Bass Pro when they have sales, they sell the pressure shots for two fifty. Um, you know, that's a bait that you can stack up on. You can fish in the snaggy areas. And a lot of times when you fish in the snaggy areas, you're going to catch fish. So again, uh, you know, kudos to to Berkeley for coming out with those baits and, and keeping them at that price range where everybody can have a tackle box full of them. You can have, you know, four or five colors and four or five sizes uh, and get stocked up with the right bait for, for your day on the water. Well, anybody that's followed my television and talk on this radio show, even my column in the Denver Post also knows that I'm a fanatic about fishing soft baits. We used to call them soft plastic baits, but the materials are changing, so they're not all plastic, but they're, they're, well, let's bunch them together and say soft plastics. And one of the reasons I do that is first, I can rig them in such a way that I can throw them in the worst, snaggiest places, and a lot of times not get hung up. But the second thing is exactly what you said. I probably got the price of a, a small piece of plastic that comes maybe 10 to a bag, and I've got a hook and a sinker. So if I lose it, it. I haven't spent a lot of money, and you are absolutely right. People tend not to cast where the fish are. They try to cast where they think there's an open piece of water, and they won't lose their lure. I don't know how many times I've been out bass fishing in particular, and I've just walked along the shore and talked to somebody and said, hey, tie this on. Now cast it over there, and they look at you like, over there? And you'll go, like, yeah, and they'll get a bass because no one's casting there. And my understanding is there's just been some really, really new products introduced in the soft bait that we'll be talking about over the next few weeks that are just phenomenal. 
Yeah, and I agree. In the soft plastic, I think we're seeing a lot of different things. We're seeing a lot of new color variations. So, again, the realistic paint job, you know, where color used to be, you know, the plastic used to be just strictly dyed. And now we're getting real image finishes. So we're really getting amazing finishes on the paint. We're also getting weighted plastics now to where it's not just, you know, injection molded plastic or rubber. Um, now we're actually doing the weighted plastics to where the baits can suspend, the baits can fall slower. You know, you have different, uh, just different weight systems throughout the body some of these plastics to where you just get better swimming motion, better control, you fish a bait slower, and you get more life-like activity. It's where before, a lot of times, you know, you had to put quite a bit of action in these plastics to get that action. And now that they're doing weighted systems in it, now you're going to get uh, just the, the benefits of going slower and still getting the, the benefits of that. Um, and the last thing I think that we really saw a big thing, and this was kind of a big thing, I know I talked to Will Dykes about it, because he's big with that Savage Gear, uh, you know, big swim baits, big, big pike and musky baits. Um, and Savage is doing a lot of really large swim baits from six inches to 20 inches. Um, but they're putting the largest paddle tail you've ever seen in your life. I mean, this paddle tail must be two inches thick. I mean, it is just a massive tail. Um, but the stud, I mean, this is, they you swim it just subsurface, and it really makes a wake on the surface, even though it's nowhere near the surface. Um, Sticker for the fact that that paddle puts off so much noise and so much volume of water. Um, and I think that's a trend that we saw carried into even the smaller base. Um, a lot of people really doing a lot more with the tails, where you're not so much adding a lot of like curly tail type stuff, but more just really bulking up paddle tails and, and versions of a paddle tail to create a lot more stuff, a lot more noise. You know, really more even slow the bait down. Uh, and when you slow that bait down, you get a lot more wobbles. It just really adds a lot more action um, to trigger those fish when they're biting. So again, I think you're seeing a lot of advances, like you said, in the plastic world uh, between paint, weight, and, and, and tail variations. It's really cool. And then I think everybody out there is now catering to that plastic world and, and making new hooks for it. So you now have, you know, weighted jig heads and, and non-weighted jig heads. And every manufacturer out there, we saw a different hook rating and a hook system for the soft plastics out there now. And I think that was uh, something to see, cool to see, to see everybody, uh, you know, changing things up to where they're adapting to that plastic world uh, in the industry. And, and everybody's, you know, whether the manufacturer makes plastics or not, they're now making a variety of hooks to, to accommodate the plastic world. You know, I have a couple more things before I let you go. One is I do want to get an update because your guides have been on the water and find out where people should be headed out fishing. But, you know, since I didn't attend ICAST this year, I thought they might even cancel it because I wasn't there. But... I guess it went on without me. Did anybody miss me? <laughs> you know, Terry, when I showed up there, they were they asked everybody. They asked if they heard you, asked if they'd seen you, and they were questioning doing that, kicking everybody out and closing them doors if you weren't there. But uh, I told them I would, I would represent you, and I would uh, fill you in, and they said they'd let it go that way. So. You know, my biggest thrill still going to ICAST, and I'll throw this in there, is right now, of course, we, it keeps you in tune with the industry. You see the new products. You get to talk to sponsors and dealers and, and the other people in the media, but really get to see a lot of the icons in the industry. And uh, Karen and I were so glad we went last year because Lefty Cray passed away, and we got to spend about an hour talking with Lefty uh, this last you know last year. And so you, you just, you know, there's a lot of us, uh, unlike you, who are still young and spry, that are getting up there in age. And we start, you know, some of our friends might not be attending much longer. No, it's true, Terry. You you see all uh, all walks of life, and everybody that I've watched since I was a young kid. Uh, not not pointing you out, not saying that was you, even though it was you. I'm not saying it was strictly you. Uh, but no, all the heroes in the industry are, are there, and 
all the up-and-comers in there, and they're all in one building. I think the cool thing is you see everybody in their natural environment. Uh, you know, it's not the environment where they're getting, you know, bombarded for autographs. And you get to see everybody in their natural state hanging out as friends. Uh, and you get to know people on a different level than you would when we're normally on the water or in a tournament trail or, or interviews, things like that. So it's neat to, to get to know the, the true people, meet everybody's wives, and, and uh, no, just get a, get a feel for the industry for sure. I'm sure over the next couple of weeks we're going to be talking more about ICAST. There'll be some other people coming on that have been there too, and we'll try to cover it. And we'll you and I and Chad and and Ronnie and all of your guys, Will, will be out testing a lot of these new baits, and we're going to have reports back just as they're about hitting the stores because the thing of ICAST is that's where they purchase them. So I think we're going to have a lot of equipment we'll be talking about and recommending and or saying to people maybe we don't recommend it, but either way. But the last thing before I let you go, Nate, we've got some beautiful weather coming up. Uh, people are out camping. Any tips for where to go fishing? You know, Jay, everything right now, the key to fishing, I'd say, is shallow. That's my, my biggest advice. If you're going fishing for anything out there, focus on that shallow water. So right now you look at the South Parkway, so we sent a ton of time up there. The rainbow trout, we had that damsel hatch going. So the, the rainbows are in two to four feet of water, and they are on fire. So shallow fast action, high energy bait is just pounding those rainbows. The northern pike, whenever those damsels come up, it always creates that top water bite. You hear us talk about it year in, year out. But again, when those when those trout come shallow, the damsels start, uh, it creates that top water bite. So again, shallow water for pike as well. So both those are shallow. All of our shad that bloomed and took off on all the fret range lakes, so Pueblo, Chatfield, Cherry Creek, uh, we have got tons of shad on all these bodies of water. And same thing, those shad live in the top six to eight feet of the water column. So all of those walleyes are in that top six to eight feet of the water column, um, you know, getting re- or, you know feeding on their shad and or in that six to eight feet or less. So, me personally, I, I love targeting suspended fish, or I'm targeting the suspended fish up on the surface. But I'm also, if I have people that still want to jig fish or still want to do the traditional live bait rigs, you can do so. You just got to go to points or shallow water structure that is less than that six to eight feet. Um, and you can find those fish in that situation. But regardless, shallow water is where you're going to find your fish right now. All the new food is out. The water's warm. Water's clear. Run off the stop. Everything is pushing all the food and all the fish in that shallower water. So biggest thing you're going out, focus on the shallow water, focus on low light periods, and you're going to have an amazing day on the water, that's for sure. All right, my friend, we've got to go, but thank you so much. We'll talk to you one more week at this time, and then you can uh, get up a little earlier. Perfect. Thank you. Nate Zielinski, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage Special Circumstance Lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com on the web, 303-790-2222. The phone number, SCL Mortgage, licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 120716. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going right back to the phones. We're going to talk some more fishing as we're joined by Chris Steinbeck from the Blue Quill Angler. Good morning, Chris. Morning, Terry. How are you? You know, I'm doing pretty well, and it's uh, it's been the kind of year where we really need to keep track of the fly fishing because the conditions aren't necessarily what we expect them to be or what we've been blessed with over the last few high water years. 
Yeah, we want people to get out and fish. We just want them to understand what's going on out there. A couple things you mentioned to me that was a flash flood in Cheeseman. Tell me about that, and then tell me what you're hearing on some of the rivers. Yeah, so um, we had a big rainstorm about a week and a half ago, and uh, it dropped almost four inches of rain into Cheeseman, which uh, threw, threw some of the gravel in there. And, it's you know, it happened before. It happened after the uh, Heyman fire. And um, the big worry is for the sedimentation that settles over the river bottom. Now, I want to give a big shout-out and a thank you to Denver Water because they turned up the uh, valve out of Cheeseman, and they have uh, over 300 CFS now just to kind of help push some of that filtration out of the river that got poured in. And so it's a, uh, like you just said, it's been a different year. Um, And and Cheeseman, Cheeseman's Cheeseman. You're still going to find fish. You know, it's still as beautiful as can be. Um, the path is not as sturdy as it was before, um, but it's going to bounce back just like it always has. And, you know, and it's it's going to be a great, it's close to Denver. It's a great fishery. It's going to be a little different. You probably have a little color in the water, but flushing it yeah. and the flushing it out is going to be good, though. Um, it just, you know, the, and it's also the fact that they're flushing has probably brought the water temperatures back down a little bit, too. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head, and it has. Um, it's brought the temperatures down. It's cooled it off. Um, the river clarity is murky, um, especially in the morning. Those used to go and fish in Deckers or Cheeseman, it's not going to look what you expect it to look like. Now, having said that, with the temperatures cooling off with the additional water, the bug life is still doing great. Our stoneflies are getting really active there, and the fishing's going to be good. Um, it's uh, it's just not going to be the sight fishing with crystal clear water, probably for another couple of weeks or so. I'll I'll tell you what the um, the, uh, the the fact that the stoneflies are still active is that on isn't that unusual for them to be that active this late into the year? know it's all water temperatures and air temperature related so it it fluctuates year to year and you know there's different species of stoneflies going around and um you know and other rivers does happen earlier especially like the arkansas happens a little earlier um the south platte's generally a little cooler water um and so the stoneflies we're starting to see now um are golden stoneflies and uh yeah, and it, like you said, it fluctuates. Sometimes it happens earlier. Sometimes it's uh, right about July. You know, I uh, I love when I can throw a stonefly or a hopper dropper or those because with my old eyes, I can still see the the fly. <laughs> it, it, I I, uh, I I agree with you. It's nice. You have a nice size ten hook when you're fighting fish. Um, it, it makes it a lot of fun. It does. Now, for for other people wanting to see that clear water. We have good flows in other places across Colorado as well. Um, the Williams Fork Tailwater, that's a tributary of the Colorado, they uh, they threw a little additional water out of that dam, and so that's flowing at 200 CFS, which is a great flow for that river. And uh, in the trips we've been running up there, which have been multiple trips over this last week, the fishing's great. Dry fly fishing can be incredible up there. It might be a little longer drive, um, but you can get away from some of the crowds and have some beautiful fishing. Well, and that's a great area up there because there's a lot of options once you get up there, too. Not only do you have the Williams Fork, there's some smaller rivers there, and you have some lake access that can be really good this time of the year, too. Oh, absolutely. Stillwater is like the Stillwater game is very strong right now. Um, very strong. It makes it a lot of fun to fish. 
Um, our shop, the Blue Cool Angler up in Evergreen, we've been running float tube classes just to help introduce people to stillwater fishing, and they've been going fantastic. It's just it's just a great time of year to fish. Get out and fish. Oh, it really is. Where else are you hearing? Are you hearing anything? How about the blue? The blue is fishing unbelievably well. I had a couple good trips there about 10 days ago. Um, the flows have finally come down out of Dillon. They're about 98 CFS in through Silverthorne. Um, for those who like to fish that river, they know it's crystal clear. It's beautiful water. Um, and it is, like you just mentioned, dry dropper season. It's hopper dropper, a big Amy Zan or chubby Chernobyl on top. Um, smaller pheasant tails have been doing really well on the, the Blue River, especially like down to a size 20. And, uh, and you'll find fish. It's, uh, it's one of my favorites. I've been fishing since I was a kid. Well, and um, it, it's just a, it's, it's a great river. And how about coming out of, out of spinning 11 mile, the Dream Stream, and some of those, what are you seeing or hearing there? Yeah, so the Dreamstream, Dreamstream is fishing well, too. Um, one thing on the Dreamstream, you know, there are little lower flows out there. We're just a little cautious for water temperatures. Um, it's uh, The fishing is really, the trichos are going nuts up on the Dreamstream. And trichos are a very small technical bug to fish, um, but you will see hundreds of them. If those who want to see a true western hatch, the trichos is a great bug to see, and they are full force right now in the mornings on the Dream Stream. Now, I've heard some reports that the Colorado River, some parts are great and some parts are a little questionable. It is. So it's the, the Colorado is really susceptible to water temperatures right now. Um, on the upper Colorado, basically, you know, from the Kremlin area to Pump House and uh, further east towards the town of Partial, um, those temperatures are getting a little warm. They're low 60s right now. Um, what helps is when they bump up the tributaries like the Williams Fork because that will help cool the Colorado a little bit. Um, but it's a river that we've been telling people, get there early, fish early. The fishing's going to be really good. And take a break midday when the sun gets hot. It's just going to be a little easier for the fish up there on the Colorado. Well, a couple of things I want to mention, too, is that carry a thermometer with you and check the water temperatures. It's really easy to do. A lot of times I carry one of the laser ones now, and I just point it at the water. I don't even have to get down there. And you can get a good enough reading to know, you know, within range to know if the, if you could be hurting the fishery. We want everybody out fishing, but we also want them to be um concerned about our fisheries so that we get through these low water years. A couple things I recommend, too, is just um, some of the high mountain lakes or go up to places like uh, Indian Indian Peaks or, or Rocky Mountain National Park can provide great fishing right now. And one place that I love to go this time of the year, especially if I'm taking a kid fishing, is uh, Joe Wright Reservoir. Those grayling go nuts in July because the ice has barely gone off up there. And you'll, you'll catch fish, and it's just fun. It is. And those lakes, it's just, that's a, you know, this is such a fun time in Colorado to fish. This time of year, you have so many access points. Like you just said, our lakes are all of our high altitude lakes. I mean, they should be starting to fish really well. Um, if you want, if you're a type of fisherman and you want to get away from the crowds, like Terry just said, go find those lakes, go up, make a little bit of a drive. Um, you won't be disappointed. Um, and especially this year, the lakes has been, um, a lot of customers are shop up in Evergreen. They come in and they're just raving about the fishing in the lakes right now. Well, you know and, what? Uh, you want to catch a cutthroat? Go up to um, Zimmerman. I mean, go to the top of Cameron Pass and take that one-mile hike up. But there's lakes like that all over the state. Do you guys guide on a number of high mountain lakes? 
we don't we don't take too many trips. We love we'll point people in the right direction up there. Uh, we do a lot of still water trips, but just not too many of the high altitude alpine lakes. Which lakes um, Which lakes do you tend to guide on? You know, we do a lot on uh, like Spinney and Antero, um, Terriol. Uh, we uh, those are main ones out in South Park that we do a lot of still water on. Um, I think well, I think I, I've heard that the trout are pretty shallow with that hatch that's going on at Spinney right now, and that you can uh, get some big bugs there too. With uh, is it the is it the damsels that are going? It it is the damsels, and so for an angler, what that means a damsel is you want to use something like a green leech, like a kind of an olive dark olive color. Um, damselflies, they're they're a lot of fun to fish. Or it's a main staple in a trout's diet. And the water out in South Park, especially Spinney, is just it's tailor made for those damsel nymphs. And you can and, uh, you can do it from a float tube, or you can uh, wade and fish that lake pretty pretty well when the fish are this shallow. You can, and you'll see they'll hunt those weed beds. Uh, they'll go cruising in and out looking for those damsel nymphs. And uh, for people who really like to fish them, know that damsel nymphs swim pretty fast. And they swim pretty hard. And so when you're fishing them, if you put a little movement in your fly and kind of make it look like it's swimming, you will have a lot of fun. Oh, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes with some of those bigger flies, especially in still water, is that fly fishermen get so used to the rivers providing, you know, making their presentation. And, you know, locating fish in still water is one idea, but when they're surfacing for those damsels, you can see them. But making that presentation to that fly, you got to you got to visualize a little bit and give it some life. Before I let you go, uh, Chris, tell people what you guys offer and how they find you. Yeah, so we are, we're the Blue Quill Angler. We're up in Evergreen, which is about 25 minutes west of Denver. Uh, we have a full um, operating guide service. Where, like we were talking about, we do a lot of still water trips. Um, we fish all over the South Platte drainage up through the Colorado. And uh, we have a full retail store up in Evergreen. And so- it's a... We're in a historical landmark building, and we just we love people coming up and seeing us and talking to us and talking about fishing. And just bluequill.com, angler.com, how do you? Yep, yep. So you can find us at www.bluequillangler.com. You can uh, also call us directly at 303-674-4700 and call us with any questions. If you guys are going to go fish a river, or fish a lake, we have guys in our shop that are so knowledgeable about that, and they work so hard. Um, they're the backbone of our company, and they, they're just so good at giving out information and useful information at that. And you have a Facebook page, of course. Oh, you bet. We do Facebook, and uh, and for those out there, our Facebook game and Instagram, we're putting our foot on the gas pedal. Um, just another way for us to give good information for all you anglers out there to make you more productive on the water. All right, Chris, we got to go. We're out of time, but thanks for joining us. We'll have you on again soon. Awesome, Terry. Appreciate it. Good luck, everybody out there on the water. All right. Thank you. That's uh, Chris from the Blue Quill Angler. Great, great organization. He mentioned great guides like Pat Dorsey and just some of the most famous guys. And this just, they're just good people. You're listening to Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. 
We're now going to go right to the phones where we're going to talk to the most popular member of the staff out at Colorado Clays, Corey. Good morning, Corey. Well, that was quite an introduction. Thank you. Well, you know, <laughs> we like you best. We don't care what JR and Doug think. All they want to do is send me pictures of fish when I can't get out. So right. I'm, well, I know. They do seem to rub that in a lot. Of <laughs> they do, you know, but, you know, they're, they're great guys. Although Doug's getting a little anxious about dove season. I know he's still coming on with some things he had done. So hopefully that works out. But yeah. But let's, you know, I want to talk about getting ready for hunting season. Before we get that even, though, you guys do a ton of fundraisers, Corey. I mean, people want to raise, have a fundraiser for their group. I've been out at your place several times and broadcast from there when you had like the 4-H out there with their shooting club and things like that. Now, if, if you're I'm sure you put these fundraisers up so people know how busy you're going to be if you're having them. But there's also an opportunity in those for just people who want to come out and compete a little bit, isn't there? Yeah, there sure is. We have a lot, a few coming up in particular that um, people that are open to the public, that are great causes. I've got one um, Saturday the 28th of July, shooting for a cure. And this hits home locally. You know, we're right outside of the city of Brighton off of Interstate 76. And this shoot will be supporting an officer that has been diagnosed with breast cancer. And the office, her fellow officers have arranged this shoot and opened it up to the public to try to raise some much needed funds to support her and her family while she's kind of, you know, down and out with treatment and whatnot. So that's, that's coming up. That's on our website. But we really love putting together events for you know, local charities um, or, you know, groups such as that, that, you know, the money goes to some neat cause. And, you know, they're all local. They live around us. So we love helping plan those. Well, you know, the one you just mentioned, you take now, here's a way you go out, do some shooting and have some fun. I assume it's probably sporting clays or is it skeet or trap? or This one coming up is sporting clays. It's uh, a round of 100 on the sporting clays course. And then, you, of course, have the different uh, skeet and trap and wobble trap and the rifle and pistol ranges. But, when people put these together, now here's you got um, a first responder, somebody who's you know important to the community, but also breast cancer. And Karen can tell you that breast cancer has touched a number of our acquaintances and friends. And uh, just like I've had some some um, gentlemen that I know that have had some bouts over the last few years, it's just something I think that that, that word puts a little bit of a, a fear in all of us. And, and when we can do go out and have some fun, support a first responder, and also money towards the, a cure for cancer, I, I don't know how you could come up with a better combination, Corey. Yeah, no, I know. We're really excited about this one. And, you know, we're just a public shooting range, and we are blessed to have a lot of regular guests and customers that we see quite often. And when somebody that we know is ailing or, you know, something that hits home, we really like to get behind them and whatever it is and help support it. So I know this is going to be a great event and it's on our website. Um, so if anybody wants more information about the time and price and all that good stuff, it, it's on our website. So And you have a lot of these events, like you said. And, you know, here's a lot of people, like I know you have leagues for your different shotgun events and, and you have different events and tournaments and things. But when you can get, you know, these are more fun, even though there's there's definitely competition. You get to compete a little bit, and the 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 uh, I guess the overall entrance, the people who are shooting, maybe aren't just the top level trap or skeet or clay shooters in the state. You get all walks of life, and you get a little camaraderie, and it's kind of a fun way to compete, isn't it? Oh yeah, these are definitely fun shoots, and what I like about these is, you know, we have the regulars, and they're good shots. But, you know, th these type of days are just fun, and they're always willing to help new shooters. We try to squad the group such that, you know, maybe you have a person that hasn't shot sporting clays before, um, but they've handled a shotgun and they're comfortable. They just don't know the 
game. So the people that are, you know, usually experienced are more than happy to help introduce other people to the sport and support a great cause at the same time. A lot of them like me to be on their team because I make them look good. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, let's talk a little bit. You know, we were we had a big uh, first hour talked about big game hunting and the new draw system and things like that. We've got a lot of hunting coming up. We mentioned just a few minutes ago that dove season is right around the corner. We've got pronghorn season. We're going to have the elk seasons and the waterfall and the, all that coming up. And I know you see this over and over and over again where people show up a week or two before they're going hunting. They haven't shot their guns since last hunting season. First, they're not very proficient. They're not very confident. They're not ready to hunt. And something's wrong, and they might not have time to get it fixed. Do you see that a lot? Well, we do see it a lot, and it's interesting you say that because we actually had our first guest this week come out and uh, start the process of sighting in their rifle. And it occurred to me that hunting season was coming right up soon. So, yeah, planning ahead um, is great. Obviously not waiting till the last minute. And, you know, we're blessed. We do really get busy when, when we start to close in on the opening of all the different seasons. And it gets really busy here. So, you know, the sooner you can start that process, the better. And right now on Wednesday evenings from 5 to 7, we leave the uh, rifle range open early, and the range fee is half price. So it's $10 instead of 20 So not only are you starting early, but you're saving some money, too. Well, and, you know, I have a mantra. It's don't get ready to go hunting. Stay ready. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, and it's not only a, a big game. You, you want to be confident that you're, what your abilities are so you make ethical shots. Um, you want you want to know your gear is working right. You want to know you want to have your gun zeroed in with the ammunition you're going to shoot with. You just need to go through those details. You may want to change and try some different ammunition, and you might might have to go through a process to get it where you want it to be. And also, there's a safety factor. I mentioned this in the first hour. Firearms. Uh, I'm a firearms owner. I'm a believer in owning and having firearms and a hunting, target shooting, self defense. But you handle a firearm much safer if you're familiar with it and you're not thinking or getting distracted by it and you make better shots because you're confident now another thing getting ready for big game at your place is the fact that you can shoot from a multiple of different positions at your rifle range right so one important thing to mention is you can shoot prone and we also allow muzzle loaders um, on the range, which is, you know, kind of unique. So we get a lot of calls about that leading up. So, yeah, definitely being able to shoot prone. Like you said, shooting, you know, another important thing is shoot in the clothing that you're going to be wearing because sometimes, you know, that changes things too. So, yeah, the more time you spend getting ready, there's nothing worse. Um, I hear then somebody saving up money to go on a, a big important shoot, whether it's you know in Alaska or Wyoming or something, and then not and then not having a successful hunt because they were ill prepared. Yeah, either they weren't ready to make the shot, or their firearm malfunctioned, or their scope mounts were off. Yep. I mean, you have to check all those things out. And I want to switch to the shotguns a little bit too because. Dove season is around the corner, and I firmly believe that dove season was created by the ammunition manufacturers to sell <laughs> to sell more shotgun shells, at least in my my perspective it is. But you 
too many people use dove as a warm-up for the other bird hunting, where doves themselves are a great game, and you really do need to come in, and you've got the you've got all the different venues of shotgunning there, so no matter what type of bird hunting you do, you can get them ready for that uh, those shotgun seasons, right. too. Right, so we do have the two wobble traps, which we, you know, I think are a great um, warm-up for doves, or whatever the case may be, and yeah, so that's a great way to warm up for doves. We have two of those um, they're combo fields. They also throw skeet, too, so we can put together um, a good variety of a target presentation on there. So a lot of people will come out and use that for warm-up as well. How much does it cost to shoot trapper skeet? For a round of 25 targets, it's $7.50. You know, I've talked to you and Doug about raising that price. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just it's embarrassing how little you charge. But, but you know what? You guys are great people, too. No memberships needed. You just, you know, can you check and see if there's a, just show up or do you call? How do you check if there's availability? Well, periodically we will have a closure, not too often, but on part of the ranges if we have like a a big fundraiser like we do coming up. Um, But generally speaking, you don't need reservations to shoot, and we're open six days a week um, from 9 to 5. We're closed on Tuesdays. And I will just do one more quick mention that on Wednesday evenings we stay open um, until 7. We'll do that till the end of August. And the other part about Wednesday evenings that's neat is we leave the sporting clays course open. And it's really fun to shoot sporting clays in the late afternoon or early evening. It's really pretty out. And um, so that's, you know, just the one night a week right now we stay open later until 7. All right. And do you post JR's day off on the site <laughs> so people can avoid him? We try not to give JR any days off. Well, that's probably a good idea. It keeps him out of the public. That's True. probably a good yeah. idea. Corey, how do they find out? ColoradoClays.com? ColoradoClays.com. Hey, great people, great place. And you're just... 15 minutes from downtown Denver, really. So. Yep, not too far. All right. Thanks, Corey. Okay, thanks, Terry. You bet. That's Bye. Corey Kraft from Colorado Clays. Just great people. You know, we tease each other because they're fun people to be around. They just enjoy life, and they want their family-oriented out there. They even have a playground. You don't have to have a reservation. You don't have to be a member. You just stop by and just go out and kick the tires, look around. Even if you don't want to shoot, just want to check it out. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part. By Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. You know, we don't have a guest waiting, so I can listen to some of the Eagles. Number one all-time sales of records of an American band. I mean, they're no Beatles, but... Yeah, I know, they're way better than the Beatles. We'll have that discussion. Don't You know, I had another board operator that had that same opinion. He's not on the show anymore. <laughs> Actually, he went on to have a better career, but we won't talk about that. Hey, we're going to we're going to be wrapping things up, but there's a few things I want to cover before we go. First of all, if you're going out fishing, there is some fantastic fishing going on, but there's things changing right now. You know, everything's getting into this warm water summer pattern. You're going to find that the front range lakes, the shad have really hatched. And those young shad are going to be where the walleye, smallmouth, occasionally the largemouth too, because they're going to, they'll, they'll more stock them though from uh, cover than they will follow them, although they will follow them at time. But the walleyes and smallmouth will really go after those shad. You're going to have to change your approach a little bit. Uh, and white bass, oh, the white bass are going to take off. What I would do if I was going after walleyes right now, the two things I would look to do, you know, I'll use Glendo as an example. Used to be early in the year, the water was up in the trees, you cast jigs 
eggs and crankbaits up in the trees. Then those, as the water receded, you'd find uh, bait rigs and bottom bouncers on the structure. And then people would think you got into July and they'd quit catching fish, or they wouldn't catch as many fish. But uh, Gary Darling and I did a television show. It's on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing, with Terry Wickstrom, where we... We went out in the middle of July or early July and trolled 60 feet of water, five feet down, about five feet down. And we were virtually harvesting walleyes. I mean, you got to find those shad. Now, if you're fishing and you want to troll and you can get a crankbait or if you find them, you can cast to them. You just don't want to go below them. You want to be above them. If you want to use jigs and bait rigs, which I love using jigs, my favorite way to fish. I would find where structure, you know, once you go around the lake, kind of see what what uh, depth the fish seem to be holding at in most areas. Find areas of a point or a hump that kind of intersect that depth. What will happen is fish will gather on those points and humps to ambush those uh, bait fish as they come by at that depth. So you can do pretty well there, too, but you need to do a little more looking. The white bass in Boyd, oh, down in... Uh, the southeastern Colorado lakes, John Martin especially, and, and there's a few other lakes around the state. Just go to the uh, Division of Wildlife, Parks and Wildlife website and find out where they're at. The white bass will get going, and they'll be doing two things. They're going to be following those shad. Sometimes those shad will be schooled deep. If the bait are deep, then you want a spoon or jig for them. But when the bait is shallow... It it can be one of the most incredible fishing experiences you'll ever have. You get out, uh, Ronnie Castiglione and myself and uh, some other people, we've gone out to uh, like Boyd Lake, and we get out in kind of the basin of the lake. You'll find out uh, where people at different years are maybe in different areas, and you kind of watch for the birds. And when you see the birds starting to feed, usually it's kind of early in the morning, but it'll go right through the day sometimes. Once you find out where those fish are, you get as close as you can without spooking them. And you can throw little poppers and little crankbaits, and you can virtually catch a white bass on every cast. On John Martin, it's almost hard not to catch them. They're so prolific down there. And it can be some of the most fun fishing of the year. And the white bass are great, great table fare. So that's something you may want to do. We're hearing the trout in the lakes are fairly shallow because there's a lot of bug hatches. We did do a really nice report on the rivers with the blue quill angler. Um, if you, you, know, you can go to uh, 1043thefan.com and always hear the podcasts of those interviews if you want to catch up on some of that. Another thing I want to talk about is our social media, my column in the Denver Post, and how to keep track of what's going on in this show. If you went to our Facebook page, uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, which is where you should follow this show right now, and just looked at the posts, and you'd follow down and you'd see the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Fishing Report. Karen puts that up as soon as it gets out. So if you follow us or you or you like us, you're going to get it right to your timeline right away, or you can come look at it. You're going to find out that we had Parks and Wildlife on about this controversy with the new draw, how it changed the percentages, how it might change again, what they're doing to try to make it as hunter-friendly as they can, and how you can have input. I'm going to have Karen do a little work this weekend, and she's giving me a look already, but I'm going to have her post. Kyle will put the... There was three segments on that. He'll put those together as one segment, and then Karen will post them on our Facebook page because she loves to do those kinds of things. No. Won't you, Karen? No. No. <laughs> yes, she will. <laughs> and then now if you went further on down on our Facebook page, you'd see the um, 
a video. There's a link to a video on walleye fishing at Devil's Lake. And there's links to my last two or three articles in the Denver Post. If you follow my column in the Denver Post, the best way to do it is on my Facebook page. And the reason for that is there's several different ways you can get to it online and through the app. But the Facebook page always has all the links to any video or audio that go with it. And we've got some great, we had Trout Unlimited, we had Kirk Dieter on, we had about the warm water, we covered that. So there's a lot there. So follow Follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We're going to wrap things up. I want to thank Karen for keeping me on my meds and making sure I was sane enough and coherent enough to get through the show. Kyle to um, making me sound good and even getting me in and out on time. And all of you for listening. Uh, Nick, we'll see you next week. And then after that, we go back to our 9 o'clock hour. Uh, We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour on 104.3 The Fan.